You can go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, I want you to go there. Please hold the Bible in your hand or you know, on your phone just so you have it for yourself so you can look at it, see God's word for yourself, investigate it. I think it's important for everybody to have that. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under a chair close uh, to you. I'm going to pray for us and just ask for God to be with us as we just uh, open and receive his truth, and then um, and we'll just finish our time this morning uh, in worship. Let's pray. God, you're, we, we sang songs that declared your welcome here. We truly mean that. We truly mean that you are welcome here. But we're welcome, but you're welcome here because you first welcomed us. You opened our eyes. You took down blinders and you showed us who you are. And then you have said and are saying that you want us to be in your family, that you want us to know you and to walk with you. So I'm asking that you would take that truth and you would illuminate how our heart connects with you in the place of worship, what that actually means. So just show us your truth and show us who you are and remind us of your goodness you're welcome here because you first welcomed us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I've taken on lots of endeavors uh, in life, things that were difficult. And I'm sure if you could think back maybe even over the past six months, there's several things you've probably tried to take on that were maybe difficult. Maybe uh, you tried to fix a sink or something like that. It was hard. There's lots of difficult things you tried to do. Fixing a sink, for some of you, no big deal. For the rest of us, it's you know, lots of prayer and intercession have to go into uh, doing something like that, right? Um, but I don't think there's any, I don't think, I'm trying to think of the hardest things that I've done, and I think that one of the hardest things I've ever done is try to reason with a two-year-old. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever tried to do this before, but... Uh, for instance, you've got a two-year-old, and uh, you go to maybe a food establishment, and uh, they see ice cream. They see the ice cream, and they know immediately what they want. They want to plunge their face into the ice cream. And that's their, their, their sole mission is to do that, except for that uh, if your parents, you know what you have to do. You have to shove protein down their gullet first before they can plunge their face into the ice cream, right? Right? They're, you're like, no. no yeah, that, that's what we all know. You know, it's, this, it's the, you can't ruin your dinner because if you only eat ice cream, you will fall apart as a human being. And, uh, and so what you try to do is then you reason. You start having the conversation with them. Okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you the ice cream, but you first, ha- and you start reasoning what you do is you first eat the chicken nugget. And if you will eat this chicken nugget, then you will have ice cream. And the two-year-old looks at you and starts screaming (laughs) because they believe that at that moment when you're trying just to give them the chicken nugget, 
you are the Antichrist. And that's what they think about you. And that, that's what, that is the emotion that's going on in their heart in that moment is, hey, Antichrist, give me the ice cream. This is what they're thinking. That's the emotion that's arising. And you can try to reason all you want to. You can try to talk with them. You can try to help them understand, listen, two bites, and you're, you know, how many of you have done the, if you're a parent, you've done that, listen, just give me five bites. Have you ever done that? Like, and then you count it down with them. Like, you know, and then they're trying to, and they do the one little snippet, and they're like, that's not a bite. And they're like, yes, it is. And you're trying to reason the whole way through, and it absolutely does not work, right? Because the emotion has taken over, and the emotion is pushing them toward the ice, and the emotion is the thing that is driving the engine. And I guess what I just want to say is, I don't think we're that much different than a two-year-old. I really don't. I think... So often, we are driven by our emotions in life. We feel lots of things. Uh, we feel things that we like feeling, and we feel things that we don't want to feel, but we have lots of emotions that are kind of driving the ship, and we see it all the time. In fact, there's lots of times you don't want to have an emotion that you do have, right? It's kind of like uh, the Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk, right? He's like, he doesn't want... Right? And we've been there before. You might not want to be angry, but you find yourself being driven by this emotion of, of anger. This is what is taking place in each one of us. And the truth is, there's actually one emotion we're all really trying to have. It's just happiness. Happiness and joy. That's the one we're pressing for. That's the one we would like to feel. Those are the things, that, that's the emotion that we're angling our life mostly after. And most of our decisions are coming in trying to come in alignment with a feeling of emotion of happiness or joy. That's what we're looking for all the time. But the problem is this, and we've all discovered this. As much as we want to be happy and as much as we want to be joyful, we can't make it happen. We can try to do different things, but you and I can wake up on a Wednesday morning and we want to be happy, but we're not. We're grumpy. We're disappointed. We're tired, exhausted. We have all kinds of emotions going on. We want to feel alive. We want to feel joyful. We want to feel happiness, but we can't make it happen. We can't force the emotion to do its thing that we want it to do. We would love to do that. And the, the issue with that is, is that last week we had a, an entire morning where we described this idea of being extravagant in worship unto God, being totally given to him, where our hearts are fully alive and we are worshiping him and giving all that we are and all that we have to who he is. And this, we want to see this emotion. We want to have awe and wonder rise up in our hearts for Jesus, right? We want to, have, we want to be fully engaged from a heart place with who he is. That's what we talked about, being extravagant unto him, giving our all. And, and the truth is, we were crafted for that. There's a reason that we want that, that happy, joy, emotion to rise up in us. The, re the reason is we were crafted for it. We were made for that, that emotion to happen all the time. We want that thing thriving, uh, and that's why... Uh, we go, that's why we drive around the roads around here, right? It, the idea of awe and wonder. Uh, it, I just, just yesterday got to drive on some of the back roads uh, around here. I'm driving, I'm driving around, and, I'm, and the, the leaves are starting to turn. And, man, this place is amazing. I know I've only lived here 16 months, 
And I hope I never get tired of saying, this place is amazing. It's right, you, you're driving around and the trees are changing and, and you're looking at the landscape and the hills and all this stuff and you're looking and you're going, this is incredible. I went to uh, last, last uh, fall, we went to Fall Creek Falls right about this time. I don't know if you've been there or not, but you're, the, the, it's this massive waterfall and the leaves were turning and I, and I was looking at it, and I could not believe with my eyes what I was seeing. I was amazed. I, just, I couldn't even get my mind around it, how beautiful. And there, there are a hundred, there's literally a hundred of those places, like within a five-mile radius of just right here. You know, that's, it's, it's all over. You can be a wonder. You've, uh, it, many of you have been to the Grand Canyon before, right? Uh, it's one of the great things that happens. You go to a place like the Grand Canyon, or you go to the ocean, and you look at it, and you never have the thought, you look at that, you look out at it, and you never have the thought, man, I'm awesome. <laughs> never happens. You go to those places, why? Because you want to see something greater, grander, bigger, making you alive. Going, man, this is... Incredible. It actually shrinks us down for just a moment. It takes us down and it, it puts in perspective what life is about for a moment. And when we feel that sense of awe and wonder, God gives us Fall Creek Falls and he gives us the Grand Canyon because he's going, hey, whatever you see here, I made that with just the breath of my mouth. And listen, I'm 10 billion times greater. We were made to have awe and wonder, but the final destination of the awe and wonder of our lives is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's greater. I, I don't, I cannot fathom or imagine when we actually see Jesus with our eyes what that will be, what that will mean. I, I cannot imagine what that will actually be, but I know that at the center of the issue of worship is wonder. That worship really is about a heart that treasures God. We get opportunities, we get little tastes of it with changing trees and vast canyons here in this life, but it's all meant to point us to this idea of truly having wonder for God. This is what worship is about. Not about it's, not about. it's not about singing songs. It's not about really amazing sermons. Worship is about wonder for who God is. We sing songs and we do sermons and we, do, we, we, we come together and we have parties and all of those things because they're all meant to point us to wonder for God, to have one. That, the, the centerpiece of all true worship comes from that place. Here's the problem. We don't always feel wonder for God. We don't feel excitement or delight in God. We often wake up on a Monday morning and we don't feel anything. We want to be enthralled with the God of the universe. We want worship or we know that worship is supposed to happen inside of us, 
but we can't conjure up the emotion, right? You ever been there? You ever been in that place where it's just not where you want to be excited, you want to be thrilled about who God is, but you aren't feeling it. You wake up Tuesday morning and your hip hurts, right? And you, somebody ate all the cereal except for just a very little bit, but they put the box back up in there and you got the cereal box down and you poured it into your bowl and you had three ounces and you want to hurt somebody. You know what? Is that, maybe, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I feel, you know, when the cereal's not there, that's like, and you're going, I don't feel worship. I don't feel like, I, I feel frustrated. I feel disappointed. I don't like going to work because my boss does this or my employees do that or I can't stand. And, and what happens is we find a lot of life. We're not walking through with worship rising up in our hearts. We're just trying to make, we feel like we're just barely just trying to make it through the day. And what happens is this. When we don't feel delight or wonder for who God is, and our heart's kind of dead, here's what the human frame tends to do. Because we were made for wonder, we just start looking for it wherever else we can find it. So we'll go to a hundred different places or a hundred different things looking for and searching for and desiring this feeling of awe and wonder, and we're looking for it in stuff that just can never satisfy. And that's what happens to the human condition is then, uh, and I'd say, and especially in America, we spend the rest of our lives trying to gather and gain stuff to make us feel awe and wonder, and it never satisfies. It never touches the heart. I, I put in your, at the bottom of your worship guide, um, if you'd like to take notes, there's a little a blank page on the back, but I want you to look at this quote. Uh, I, I thought it just was so well worded. I, I, wanna, I want us to look at it together from Dr. John Piper. He says, listen, we think that the solution when we don't feel joy and wonder is if I could just feel better about me, better about the way I look, better about my height, my weight, my complexion, my hair, my mathematical ability, if I could just feel better about me, I'd be healed. He says, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be healed. You'd have low-level, low-grade, non-satisfying measures of contentment. You were made to see God, love God, delight in God, and be stunned by God. This is the work of Christ in our lives. This is who he is. Here's what's true of Jesus. He was enthralled with the Father. He was. He goes to the cross because of who the Father was. And he was screaming, preaching, teaching to the people. You're all, you religious people, you're pursuing all your religious garbage to feel wonder, and it doesn't produce wonder. You're creating the rules and regulations so you can somehow feel wonder, and it doesn't produce it. And he was able to look at poor people, people who didn't have anything, and say, you can have more life than anyone else. Because it comes from a father who loves you. 
You can have one. You, you, it doesn't matter what station in life. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Does, none of those things can take away from being completely and utterly enthralled with the Father. It just takes a heart that's willing to go there and not be satisfied by the rinky-dink things that we find ourselves constantly living in this rat race of a life that we often have here in America. Keeping up with the Joneses, living the American dream as if we're taking any of it with us when we're gone. We've spent literally 80 years of life on frivolous stuff and miss true wonder. Being alive. And this is the fight that we have. It's the essence of worship. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Now, the psalmist here is saying, listen, God is so amazing. He's like tasting and seeing. Now, you know, everybody has their favorite thing. You taste. Now, taste and see don't go, the way, by the way, it doesn't seem to go together, right? It's, it, it more, it's like look and see, but that's not what he says. He says taste and see, meaning that there are eyeballs on your tongue somehow, some way. Meaning, what, what it means is this. You you can describe something that tastes amazing, right? You can see something. For me, it's just, you know, a brisket, of course, <laughs> right? You look, at a, you look at the meat, right, and you see, you see the salt and pepper on the top, and then it's, you see the bark, and you can see that, you know, it's got smoke, and if you cut it, it's got a smoke ring. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I just jacked up your lunch plans. I know. All right. You see it, right? And it, it, it's, it, it appears to be a brisket. But let me tell you, when you taste it, all right, then you've had the divine, right? So tasting is actually seeing. And the psalmist here is saying, listen, the way that we interact with God is tasting and seeing. The emotion of our lives, the emotion of our hearts meant to come up and taste and see, and it, and it gives life and meaning to everything else so that houses and cars and family and vacations and all of those things are pointing up to something greater. They don't become the worship and cry of our heart because they're low-level, low-grade, non-satisfying measures of contentment for a moment. And God is saying, I've got something better. Here's the issue. Is that we don't always feel that, and that is because there is a cosmic battle taking place over our hearts. And it's a battle for joy. It is a fight to see. This is the fight. This is, I, this is the seminal issue. I don't care if you're two years old are 82 years old in this room, this is the issue. The battle, the fight to see. This is what, this is how Paul speaks it to the Corinthian church. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter four. Here's what he says. He says, the God of this world, is the little God, little G, not the big one. This is, this is speaking of the enemy. The little G, God of this age, God of this world, 
has blinded the minds or blinded the minds of the unbelieving to keep them from what? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So here's what Paul is saying, that the battle is over, our eyes being opened to who God really is. The battle is, can we move past all of the inferior contentments in this life to go for something greater that illuminates, that makes our heart alive? God, if, if, for people that do not, when they look at Jesus, they go, I don't, I don't get it. It's not, I don't understand. You know, it's 2,000 years ago, and it's not, you know, it's not my thing. I'm not into organized religion, or what, you know, all that stuff. Or I don't know. I don't think you can believe that. It's kind of like fairy tale, all that stuff. Listen to me. This is simply the tactic of the enemy to keep us from seeing the majesty of God in the face of Christ. That's what it is. That's what this whole thing comes down to. The enemy is, hey, listen, see boats and see vacations, see the stuff, just don't see Jesus. Don't see the majesty of God in Christ and what he's done for us. That's the aim of the enemy. The enemy doesn't care if you're not doing drugs or you're not a murderer. See, the enemy has no, he doesn't care about that. Just don't see Don't taste and see the Son of God. Don't know. That's the, this is what the the battle is, right? The entire record of Scripture, all of it, from beginning to end, right? Are people trying to understand, trying to get before God, and they're in their weakness, struggling to worship because they cannot see, right? Feeling despair or doubt or indifference. Every significant story, actually every story throughout all the scripture, what is it? It is the record of a woman or a man wrestling in their weakness to actually see God for who he really is. Struggling with their indifference, struggling with their doubt, struggling with their inability, struggling with their weaknesses. And what God is trying to say is, listen, I'll take care of you. I'm amazing. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to provide for your physical needs. I've got something greater for you, but I'm going to take you on a journey to discover and see. Every one of them had days, not moments, days, where they did not see the goodness of God. All the great prophets and all the great uh, people that we read about, all the great, the, the apostles, disciples, you can read about any of them. They all had days upon days upon days where they just struggled. They didn't see. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't know. They didn't feel alive. They didn't feel joy in God. We all have those days where we wake up. In fact, I'd say it, sometimes it's more often than not we wake up and we don't feel delight or joy in God. And, and we're wrestling through it. It's, the, it's that unwavering condition of the human spirit, right? We just can't contain it. We don't feel it. And what we tend to think is, well, if I get this new thing here, or if I get that new thing, or we do this new experience or whatever, then I'll feel alive. And the problem is, is we're given completely to something that only, it can only make us alive for a moment. So the question is this, what do we do when we don't feel joy in God, when we don't feel delight? What do we do? 
What are we supposed to step into if we don't, when we wake up on those mornings and we're grumpy and we're not happy and we don't have joy and we're looking for a hundred other things, what do we do? How do we begin to attack that? And the answer we'll see over and over and over in scripture is we fight for joy. We fight for it. But I want to make it clear, there is no coasting into delight in God. It has to be fought for. It doesn't, it, it won't work. You can try to put cruise control all you want to. If you and I want to experience maximum joy in God, bringing delight to our hearts and magnifying his name and experiencing what God has crafted and created us for, it won't be had accidentally. We actually have to fight for joy. We have to actually engage this battle. Now, I'm gonna let you in on a little, um, kind of in the background of what it means to be a pastor. There's a couple of scriptures I just wanna show you where Paul is talking to the churches, and here's what he's saying. He actually says, listen, my mandate is to work for your joy. Look, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. I just put it up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 1, 24. So listen, listen, we're not gonna lord anything over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for your joy, for you to stand firm in your faith. So here's what he's saying. The work that I'm doing, my job is to work for your joy. I love what it says. Here's what he tells the Philippian church, Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I'm going to remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. This, so what Paul actually said is, listen, I'm not sure if I want to live or die. I mean, if I died, I'd just get to be with Jesus. It'd be awesome. But it looks like God's going to make me live for a little longer. And it says, if I'm going to live, and I'm gonna, this is what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. I'm going to uh, remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. What he meant is this, listen, the work that we do, the work that we do is for joy. Now, we often uh, can equate uh, joy with like ease or uh, uh, comfort. And what he's saying here is, listen, if you actually want to experience joy, it's gotta, it's gotta be fought for. One of the, one of the things this is the, uh, what pastors talk about that they don't tell you. And I'm going to give you a little insight. One of the hardest things that we do in shepherding and pastoring people is when you want joy and freedom for people more than they want it for themselves. Honestly, the, I think the hardest and saddest thing we face in what I do in getting to shepherd and walk with people in their spiritual journey of discovery of who God is. The hardest thing is when we're praying and crying out, God, would you give them freedom and joy in Christ and you want it for them more than they want it for themselves. You're pleading and asking God to do it and they seem to be indifferent. And I just want to tell you, I mean, that's just the, that's just, I'm just trying to be a little bit uh, real with you. I'm here to work for your joy. That's my job. No, honestly, that's my job. It's job. I just rewrote my job description. 
Just get you guys happy. All right, that's it. That's what I'm doing. And, and, and there's lots of different things that we'll do together, but all of it is about this. If you want to experience maximum joy in worship, this is what worship, right? Worship is awe and wonder in God, wonder for who he is. If you want to experience maximum joy, it has to be fought for. I'm working with you for your joy. Joy in God, not just joy. Not, listen, it, I want you to be clear. This isn't joy like frivolous joy. What I mean is joy in God, happiness in God, delight in God. The fight for, and I want you to hear, the fight for joy, your fight for joy in God, hear this, is worship. The fight for joy in God is worship is worship. That's where it comes from. Listen, when we get before him and we're fighting to have joy in him over all the other stuff, let me tell you, that is worship. So the question is, how do we fight? How do we fight? How do we fight for joy, right? That's how how do we we get after it? I'm gonna give you just two, there's uh, there's amazing things, and truly, this is actually probably should have been like a seven-part series, so we shoved it into two. And we'll just trust God to give, to give the rest, all right? But here's, I'm gonna give you two things, two ways we fight for joy. And then we're gonna just spend time actually asking God to give us all in wonder for him together, okay? Two things. The first way we fight for joy is we rest. We rest. Now, that sounds a little bit like opposite of fighting, because I know, because I was like, how are we going to fight for joy? And you guys, some of you look like you were about to pull a sword out, <laughs> which is a little scary. You, if you bring swords here, we, we need to talk. But other than that, listen, the way that we fight for joy, first and foremost, is we have to rest. And what do I mean by that? Is listen, God has to do it. This is what the Bible says. You know what Galatians chapter 5 says? If you grew up in church, you probably sang a song about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. You guys know that song? Well, that was awkward. <laughs> fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut? Y'all not heard that song? Oh my gosh. You know what? Sometime we're going to all do kids' church. We're all going back there. Kylie's going to teach us the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Okay, I'll just move on. The fruit of the Spirit, I don't even, actually, I don't know if I know how the rest of the song goes. I'm berating you guys. I'm not sure if I could sing the whole thing. I just know the coconut part because it's cute. I don't know. Fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. Can't be a fruit of the Spirit. I don't, sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, that wasn't in my notes. It wasn't in my notes to sing that. So and I, anytime I go off my notes, I usually just destroy Sunday mornings. Anyway, <laughs> fruit of the Spirit is not a call. Here's what he's saying. Love, here, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, something like that. But here's what he says. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got them all. I don't know if I got them all right. I mean, in the order, but I, I got them all. But, here, but here's what he's saying. 
You want joy? Guess where it comes from? Not inside you. It comes from God, which is amazing, by the way, because there are people who can't stand the idea of God and have turned their back on Jesus who experienced joy all the time. But let me tell you where it comes from. A good, good father. If we want to fight for joy, the first step is to step back and say, God, I can't conjure this up on a Wednesday morning. You have to do this in me. And we open up our hands. I got to step back for a minute and say, God, there are a hundred things I could try to put my hand to to try to manufacture maximum joy. But ultimately, this comes from you. And I'm not experiencing it right now. You might be in a place where you're feeling like, I, I don't know that I've really experienced joy in six months. And the way that you fight for joy is rather than trying to do the rat race, you turn your hands up and say, God, this is a gift you have to give to me. And I can't get it. And I, I know and realize and recognize it's not coming from anywhere else. I need it from you. Every morning, listen, there are things that we can, we can control. Our emotions aren't one of them. And the one that, the, true, the truly life-giving ones, it has to come from the Lord. It, it only comes from him. Everybody, everybody hold up a you know, pointer finger that works pretty decent, right? Look, everybody hold this up. All right, put it down, put it up. Put it down, put it up, right? I don't know how, I don't know how it works. I, 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 legit, I don't know how the brain, like when I decided to do I don't know how all that works. All I know is this. Whenever I want to put my finger down, I can. When I want to put it up, I can. All right? But I know this. I mean, I'm just serious, right? Okay? Just, just, you, I, we, we're, we're doing kids' church up in here, all right? Y'all don't know the song, so this is where we're going. You can do this all day long. Listen, you cannot will yourself to wake up with maximum joy tomorrow morning. You can't do it. It is a gift. It comes from one place. We got to turn our hands up and say, God, would you fill me with joy that I can't make happen? Would you work in me? I can't control my circumstances today. I can't fix all the stuff. I can't make all the relationships right. I can try to control things, and some of you are control freaks, and you know what I'm talking about. You can try to control things in order to feel joy. The way that you find joy is by controlling stuff, and you can't do it. We, we try all day long, but it doesn't work that way. It does not work, all right? It's, listen, joy happens. But we don't have any control over it. We really don't. We gotta turn our hands up, right? God, you have to do this. Jesus, take the wheel, right? All right, let Carrie Underwood be your theologian this morning. You gotta do this, God. You gotta do this. Happiness is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Can't conjure it up can't make ourselves happy, we have to come to the source and say, God, the way that we fight for joy is by saying, I recognize I can't produce this from within. You've got to give it to me. And I'm going to ask you for it. I'm going to ask you for it. I'm going to open my hands up and say, God, give me joy.
I don't feel it. I don't see it. What I'm walking through does not feel joyful. I know it's going to have to come from you, and that's how I worship you. Secondly, and a team, you can, can get ready so we can finish in worship this morning. Secondly is this. Not only rest, but we, we have to trust. We have, we have to trust. What I mean is this. Our fight is a fight of faith and by faith. Meaning this. God, I'm having to trust you to remove the blinders. I'm, I have to trust you to remove the blinders because... One of the crazy things about having blinders is you can't see what you can't see. You can't see what you can't see. God sees it all. He knows, but we can't see what we can't see. So we have to say, God, I rest in you because you're the only one that gives us, and I'm trusting that you're going to deliver it. Maybe I don't feel it today, and maybe I don't feel it tomorrow, but I want my heart to be alive in you. I want maximum joy in you, joy, delight in you, and I'm asking you to do it. And that, so here, as every step, I want you to hear this. Every step of faith lights God up, right? Meaning this, when you want to do something by faith, meaning it, your emotions aren't lined up with it, I want you to think about this. Every step of obedience is meaningful to God. Every, every five-second prayer is meaningful to God. Every act of repentance is worship. It's worship. Understand that. Every confession of weakness is worship. Every act of it's all it's all being done by faith. It's worship before the Lord, right? That two-year-old that I talked about, right? When they... That first time they took some steps, they were just, when, you know, when they were, your kid was trying to learn how to take those steps, the very first time when they, they pulled themselves up on a table and they turned around, and then be, because their head was oversized, it pulled them forward and they took a step. You know what I'm talking about? And they took a step on accident. And what did you do? You started jumping up and down and clapping and screaming and making sure you didn't trample the kid in the process, right? You were ex- delighted and excited. Listen, the, listen, we're all, we are two-year-olds. Hear this. Take a step by faith. Guess what God does? Boom. Oh, I love my kids that are doing five-minute prayers and just and just reaching out and just, listen, just trying to take a step of obedience. Boom, God, delight. Angels rejoicing, right? This is, the angels are looking down going, oh my gosh, they got it. They took the step. Father's going, this is my kid. This is my two-year-old taking the step. It, was, it didn't seem meaningful to anyone else, but it seems meaningful to a good father. It's worship. All of it's worship. We do it by faith. You want to know how we find maximum joy in God and actually worship him and delight in him? Magnify him. We just say, God, I don't feel it. I'm going to fight. I'm going to take a step. And we enthrall the heart of God with our worship. We move his heart. Move the heart of the Father. Open the Bible. I just want to encourage you. If you're feeling just, I don't have any joy in God. And I've looked for it in a hundred different ways. Open, just open the word and just begin. I, I have Psalm, Psalm 43, 5. I'll just finish with this and we're just gonna worship last, last 20 minutes. 
I love what this, I love this. Look at what this says. This is, this is the fight. Why are you cast down, oh soul, right? Feeling the weight. Life isn't good. You feel disappointed or hurt or sad. You don't feel delight or joy in God. Why are you cast down, oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? You ever been there? Hope in God. For I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. Here's what he does. Why your soul is at the bottom, at the cellar. What do we do? All right. I hope. I put myself, I'm going to sing. I'm going to scream. In fact, I would say this. If you want to know how to just can't, just, you want to know how to fight for joy in God, open his word, read it, and say it out loud. Sing it out loud. In fact, we're going to do that right now. We're going to sing it out loud. We're going to sing the truth of God's word. You know how to fight for joy? Preach to yourself. Don't wait for me to yell at you on Sundays. You yell at yourself. I'm serious. Open up the Bible and just preach the promises of God to yourself. Literally, preach to yourself. He pursues you with goodness and mercy. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Great is your reward in heaven. He will complete what he has begun in you. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things work together for my good. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Preach to yourself. Just say it. But don't let... Our lives be marred by low-level, low-flying grades of momentary contentment. Go for it all. Preach. Say, God, stir this heart of mine. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray that God would do that in us this morning. We're going to do that right now. You're going to have a chance to do something. And maybe you've been in a hard place. Maybe you just, maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Like he's like on the other side of the universe. And this is a moment to, by faith, just say, God, you're here. You've, you say if anyone who's got the guts to knock and ask that you answer, you answer the cries, you answer the, their heart, you answer the cry of their heart. Father, we're asking right now, would you be with us? Would you give us maximum joy in you, delight in you, wonder for who you are? Don't let us settle right now as we lift up these words. We're going to have these last few minutes to lift up these words to you. Make them real. Right where you're at, say, God, I'm going to say these by faith, even if I don't feel it, because I can't conjure up emotions. You give them. They're gifts from you. I want you to give me joy. Give me joy right now. Just ask him. God, I want joy. I'm resting. I can't make this happen. I'm just asking. I'm asking a good father who wants to give. Father, come and give joy right now. I pray joy and peace power and rest. Pray your mercy and kindness. Some of you are in here and you feel condemned because your life hasn't looked very clean and nice and pretty. And the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross is he took all the garbage. So you're here. You, you can be here. You can, be, you can come right before him. There's no condemnation. If you're feeling condemned right now, just confess it and say, I'm feeling condemned and I'm letting go of this because you took it from me on the cross. This is my moment to just Jesus, give us joy in your presence. We're going to sing the words by faith. Would you give us joy in you right now? We